Hi, hi, Panda here. A quick disclaimer for the Saga series and our discussions on it. Please note, Saga contains very mature, explicit, adult, violent, and graphic content. In our discussions, we acknowledge the existence of sex and related accoutrement. If that is not your thing, we advise you to avoid this episode. That is all. Cheers! Welcome, everybody, to the green team of the Legendarium podcast. With me today, I have Befuddled Panda. Hello. Hiptan. Ayo. Mr. Anderson. Hello. And I am your host, Yeti Beats. Today, we are going to talk about a big series, but in a small format. We are talking (laughs) Saga, the graphic novel series. And we have two first timers, and we have two uh, third timers. Two timers. <laughs> two timers. Yeah, no, two timers. Repeat readers. Kidding. Veterans. Repeat readers. <laughs> yeah, old wily vets. Um, and I figured uh, we well first panda uh, panda wanted to say good panda. We have a podcast already or an episode already around graphic novels. If anyone wanted to listen to that first, right? Um, yeah, so a little while ago, um, we on the Green Team, we did do an intro to graphic novels. So Saga is a graphic novel series, which is a format that we don't cover too often um, on this podcast. But we do love it, at least some of us do. And if you want to know more, if you are not yet um, reading graphic novels and you're curious, go check out that episode for more information and for recommendations of good starting points. There you go. So Panda and a few other panelists not on here talked about that. But I'll start with Mr. Anderson. What's your kind of history with graphic novels? Is Saga kind of your first foray? Because I know this is the first time for Saga for you, but I don't know about graphic yes. novels. No, I've read a lot of um, Alan Moore stuff um, predominantly. And yeah, I kind of started with uh, I started with V, and I really loved it, so I read a lot of his stuff. Um, but I haven't ventured a lot I think I read the first one of Sandman, but that might be as far as I've gotten and as far as graphic novels go. There you go. Alan Moore, did he do Swamp Thing? Is that right, he, too? Sw- no, wasn't that Gaiman? I could be wrong about that. Sometimes yeah. Some of their stuff kind of bl- blends together for me. Shows how much we know about gra- graphic novels already. Uh, <laughs> Kip, what about you? Are you a hardcore graphic novelist? I am not, no. Um, but I do do like a bunch of web comics, and I feel like I'm more familiar in that format. And sometimes those get collected into larger omnibus novels, and that's kind of more typically the thing I'd be reading. Uh, like Gir- Girl Genius is a favorite. Oh, I like the title. Intriguing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, Panda? I'm sure you talked about it on the Intro to Graphic Novel podcast, but uh, did you? Is this? Are you? Uh well-worn reader in this format i wouldn't say i'm like a very well-read person in terms of graphic novels but i do dabble and i do enjoy it i've read um a bit widely um there's like you know the the kind of stereotypical graphic novels that you might think about um like superhero kind of comics or the sci-fi fantasy kind of elements but then there are also like smaller stories um that are more just like personal life or biographies autobiographies that are in graphic novel format that i also enjoy oh 
Well, let's make it four for four for uh, people who are not very well versed in this format because I uh, also don't read too much graphic novels. Um, Saga was like the big one for me, kind of like a gateway to wanting to read more. I think, I mean, I read some of the Marvel DC stuff, like what's popular now on Disney Plus, Miss Marvel. I remember reading her graphic novel uh, that came out. Um, for after Saga, I wanted more like kind of non superhero stuff and i looked at monstrous i'm pretty sure is pretty popular monstrous. i didn't monstrous yeah i didn't love it like i love saga but um but it's cool i try to go into mm-hmm. dive into there um but yeah so far it looks like we got four kind of newbies here just being sucked into this um wild and crazy universe safe to say um and let's dig into it let's we'll do non-spoilers real quick and we'll just get our general thoughts on the first three volumes of the uh, this series. So we read up to volume three, not issue three, volume three. So that's the first 18 issues, if you are following along that way. Um, and I'll start with the newbies, the two people who haven't read this at all, uh, with Kip. We'll go with you. What are your general impressions of Saga and, and your expectations? <laughs> Were they met, exceeded, uh, creeped out? Uh, I wasn't. So I really liked it, first off. Excellent uh, graphic novel from my limited experience. But I wasn't expecting to not like one of the main characters so much. Mm. Ooh, that was, that was a little bit unexpected. Uh, okay, main characters. Let me guess. Uh, Marco? I, and we're still in spoiler-free. Oh, yeah, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love guessing games. All right, so you like the as a whole, as the whole, but one character really revolted you. Yeah. Uh, and I really liked a bunch of the imagination and the, the mixture of fantasy and science fiction. And s- several panels were disturbing. <laughs> I think that might be a good segue to just give a warning um, about the content of this graphic novel series. Like, when we say graphic, it's definitely graphic in more than one way. It's very mature adult content. Yeah. So please be warned. And we're going to try to keep this as PG-13 as we can. So we won't go into too many details about the graphicness. Um, of this some book of would panels. get confiscated in a school. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't think. You, yes. They would not carry it in a school library. Or if they would, I want to meet that librarian. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, there's there's good life lessons in this series i mean i there are, told in a disturbing sure. way but in between sure. all the uh, graphic stuff yes <laughs> <laughs> when you're not seeing oh no i guess we shouldn't talk about that yet never mind <laughs> i i did like how every issue had the the questions and answers segments in the back and how they gave little bits of their process i know that's not really specific to saga but it was an unexpected benefit of the format mm. oh the, uh, i don't even know if i know Notice that they had that in and behind the the volumes of the graphic novel. It was in the in the back pages of the graphic novel. Like every episode, every issue would end, and then there was like a piece of commentary I don't at the end of, at the end of every issue. I don't the one you that. sent us was hilarious yeah. when he's describing <laughs> not spoilers, but talking to his artist about a scene it was very awkward. Yes, it, yeah. that content isn't in every edition. Yeah. Oh yeah. So. I didn't have that. I read issue by issue. Got it. Uh, very nice. Um, yeah, Mr. Anderson, 
How'd you feel about it? Panda said you just ran through these three issues. Yeah, so I was just sitting there and Panda handed me volume one and said, read the first few pages. And then I looked up and she said, keep going, keep going. And the next thing I knew, I read all three. Um, <laughs> yeah. You did not it, need that much encouragement to continue reading. <laughs> it was very good. Um, it can be rather shocking. Um, because you will just turn a page and then you'll be like, oh, okay, this is where we are now. But yeah, overall, I... it was just great. It was, I'm really intrigued by the story. Um, I agree there are some characters who I like more than others, but <laughs> overall, it was, I really enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah, I finished it in a, in a night. I will say that. <laughs> I, I did not want to stop reading. Quick. <laughs> well, he's, we'll get into it, but. The author is just like superb at cliffhangers. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think he does it better than uh, <laughs> at least a lot of people. Um, Panda, second time reader. Did uh, mm -hmm. you feel the same way as Mr. Anderson? You couldn't stop? I mean, I. it's been several years since I revisited the series, um, but I still enjoy it. Um, even though I knew like bits and pieces like re i remembered bits and pieces and knew what was going to come i still had a really good time reading it yeah, yeah me too I, I i'm trying to think like i remember a certain not shocking things but as the whole i don't remember how they got there so it's been interesting seeing uh the stuff and just seeing the step by step but uh i'm the same way i loved it i fell i when i first i think i first read this in 2016 so I think there was maybe six volumes released at the time. Um, and I remember it being like, it vaulted up to like, like my favorite piece of media, like up in the, my Mount Rushmore. Like it's there with like Hob, Abercrombie. Like I get, this series makes me feel very similar to Hob does. And I, I think many, I don't think any medium can really match books. How like a, like the, the feeling you get when you're reading a book that really connects, whether it's something sad, the emotions, like not even movies, which I love. I think books are just far and away above and beyond. But I think Saga for a graphic novel does that impeccably well. Um, not only from the author, I think Brian K. Vaughn, but the artist, Fiona Staples, she can draw characters with just a look on their face and it's or tears running down a, uh, a feline creature's eyes and it makes your heart strings kind of tug. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. uh, both of them together, I think, are... I was kind of blown away and it made me, it was like a gateway. It wanted me, I wanted to mm -hmm. definitely jump into more graphic novels, even though I'll say, I don't know for you, Panda, I haven't really connected with any other graphic novels like this one. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, when I was going into the series the first time, I was not expecting the emotional impact that I would have as a reader. And even going in the second time, knowing like how emotional the series can get, like I was still, I was still impacted, um, almost as much as the first time I read it. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, I'm ready to get into spoilers. I'm like, I've been itching to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's dive in. We all loved it. Uh, let's let's first start with. Okay, what character did this Kip not like? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 Alana. Really? Yeah. Why? Tell us. Tell us. Yeah, she's she's uh she's she's very mean to her husband. Aww. <laughs> well, 
And he's totally fine with it. He is totally <laughs> fine with how she treats him. But Mark, feel that pushover. Rough. Yeah. I think in the third volume, I don't want to just jump around when those reporters go to her dad's house. I think that I think there's a lot there that says a lot about how she grew up. Her best friend pretty much married her yep. dad as her stepmom. Yeah. Yep. So I think she just has this innate distrust of marriage or long-term relationships. I think she, you're right, takes that out on Marco, whether she realizes it or not. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> he does. Um, but you know, I yeah, it's funny. I never really overthought she was overly. I mean, I, I can see it now. I don't, totally. I don't I'm necessarily just think it's overly. I, I think it's very realistic. I think it's very natural. I think it's well-developed. I just, uh, it's sometimes hard for me to remember that when she said the thing she says. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just happy you didn't see the will. We would have had a problem. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? No, no way. I love the will. He's amazing. <laughs> he, he, he is tragic. Oh. Yeah, we're get we're we're getting into it. What, what characters did we like, good and bad, uh, or stood out to us? So Kip says, uh, "Lion Cat for sure." I mean, that's I love Lion Cat. I was I was he ready. Have a whole lot to say, really. <laughs> Lying. I was re- I was ready to put down the graphic novels if Lion Cat was dead. There. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that relationship. Yeah, especially how she and um, Sophie, the little girl. Oh, yeah. Um, how they bonded. I clipped that and I sent that in the group chat, didn't I? Mm-hmm. That yep. was one of the best scenes. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was so touching. Like, so Sophie, you know, is obviously like a child sex slave and just saying these things and then ends with like nice things that she wants to do and then ends with like, you know, I'm dirty inside and doesn't for all the things. Yeah. Lion Cat cuts her off and says, lying. <laughs> so sweet. And just the next panels are hugging her. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a girl or. It's a she. Lion Cat's a she. Yeah, Panda, what about you? Any characters dislike, stood out, love? I remember the first time reading it, like, I was very shocked by the stock and not really enjoying her. She did feel like more of a plot device. Um, so there's that. But overall, like, I... Ugh, Marco's dad. Marco's dad and mom. I really do like them a lot. Um, especially, yeah, especially like how Marco's mom also after, um, her husband dies, like how she and the author Oswald were able to bond in just the moment where it was like, Oswald like tells about how his first wife died and then the, and Marco's mom's like, okay, we need a moment and like have that adult (laughs) grown up talk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I liked. Um, I love. I love Bar. I thought, like I said, I thought he was the MVP of the second volume, which was pretty much. You yeah. know, that volume was like Marco and a lot uh, meet his parents, kind <laughs> of hang out with his parents. And I liked. I like wrote down in my notes that I liked the. Um, so Marco, that race, I guess you call them. They have powers to heal or do things, or he does. But he has to tell. Mm-hmm. You have to tell a secret, or they can use magic, but he needs a secret for it to work. And I love that that writing device that he used because it just it's it's able to you know it eventually pays off with in a cliffhanger mm-hmm. when marco's dad said he's he's dying and no one knows it right um and it was just yep. a sweet way for that uh segue into him bonding with, uh alana right i keep wanting to mess up mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yep. But that whole, they like bonded over that. Because he has such a, you think about it, he has such a small, small sliver of the story. And he really made the most of it in that volume, just kind of hanging around with her and, you know, making the cute little outfits for the baby and the, the nice fitting outfit for Alana, as she said. <laughs> also like body armor. Mm-hmm. And also, it's always nice to have a callback in a magic system where you're like, oh, yeah, I know how this thing works. Mm-hmm. And then you see it work as you expected. But the narrative has changed. Mm-hmm. Right. They use it in a different set. Yes. Yeah. I, that was really good. Yeah. Um, Mr. Anderson, what about you? I really like he was a bit of a stereotype, but the writer what was named Oswald or whatever. Yeah. 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 Yep. He was just fun to hang around with. And um, and Isabel, the un- half a ghost we get. <laughs> Ghost Nanny. <laughs> She's a lot of fun. She's I a lot of her. fun. She's How so old sad. are you? <laughs> Marriage advice to Marco's mom. Yeah. Tell her to get back in the field. I was the um Prince that creeps me out. He was a little weird. Oh, I love Prince Robot 4. <laughs> I love you him would. so much. <laughs> <laughs> That race is just so bizarre. <laughs> yes. I just love the pictures that show up on his face. For, like, <laughs> for his Which ones? Who the hell of them? Yeah. I, those are all great. Um, yeah, Oswald I really liked. I, I, that, that, I don't know out of the three what your favorites would be. The third volume was definitely mine. It was a little slower, but I like how it came full circle from the beginning. Um, when Prince Robot steps in and then it flashback how they got there. But Oswald was a big part of that between, as you said, the conversation he had with uh, Marco's mom, really the conversation he had with Prince Robot. I thought that was like yep. a big highlight about yep. war. And, you know, he's like the opposite of war. Prince Robot was it's like not peace. peace. Yeah, it's love. <laughs> well, uh, Prince Robot says the F word. F-ing. Not, not the exact <laughs> words, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Essentially, he meant love. Um, but I, yeah, I love that Prince Robot. It's very interesting going forward. If you noticed, he uh, not super subtle, but at the end of that, he gets kind of tased or stunned, and his screen okay. is resetting. It's yeah, like kind of like yep. a reset. Which also yeah. was kind of a character reset. The last thing he heard when he did that was talking about the importance of love. So I would pay attention to that going forward with that character, because I think this is where Prince Robot really gets great. I mean, he gets. It's it's fun. I mean, he's right. been pretty pretty great. But he's, he, but even he's been it, like, yeah, he hasn't been a good person, but he's been great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, he's been like pretty <laughs> pretty terrible. He's like just one minded, like, and mm-hmm. uh, he, he definitely gets flushed out. He just wants to be there for the birth of his child. You That's know? all he wants. Yeah, That's all he wants. He's a family man. <laughs> yeah, that, when I th- every time we saw him, I thought, "There's a family man." There's a family man. <laughs> Even the nudes, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, well, got to start a family somehow. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Or like when Oswald was like, I forget what they're kind of talk- when they were doing that talk, and he's like, "What flashes through your mind?" I thought he was talking about PTSD. <laughs> no he flashes, and it's just like a an orgy with all an of orgy. His- <laughs> Everyone he was in the war with. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Yep. That can got we censored. That? We can say that. Okay. Oh, sorry, cool. orgy. Sorry. Um, yeah. Group hugs. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I will. I'll be cliche then. And the will I say for me was like the big. When I read the series, I, I was like, I want more of this person. 
Um, not just because he's also a bald guy who likes cats, but uh, I did like, um, I liked, you know, in stories, I think it was interesting. He, we first see him, he's obviously a villain. Like it's, he's set up to be the villain. Obviously he's mm-hmm. a, an assassin and he's sent to kill our heroes, but it quickly shows when he goes to Sextillion, a very interesting place. Um, he, he meets a slave girl and he, he wants to save the slave girl. He wants to buy her. And immediately you're like, oh, this guy is like, has a heart. Like he's not evil. You know what I mean? Slave girl named slave girl. Yeah. Yeah. Her name was slave girl. Not just a, yeah. Eventually yeah. she got named. Um, you know, so, and I think it's, I think those are good stories or I think it sets the tone of what this whole saga is going to be is that you have bad people who do really good things and you probably have good people who also do bad things. Um, and I think his character is kind of the first introduction to that. He might still ultimately be a very bad person and he definitely does murder a lot, but there is a, like that shows that he is a human that he, for some reason, you know, that's what, you know, or not for some reason, but he can murder and kill, but he also doesn't want there to be sex children, children, slaves in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm afraid in advance of what Marco is going to have to do, uh, for his daughter. Okay. You want to say more? Yeah. <laughs> uh, because because he's trying to be like semi-pacifistic and mm. non-interfering and, you know, a good guy. And the world is not going to let him just raise his daughter in peace. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, it, first of all, one, he, that didn't last very long. He definitely took his sword out. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, like, but that's, that's something that the average comic book reader would like want to happen and expect to happen mm-hmm. I, I i think like that's that's well within the realm of expected tropes mm-hmm. that Definitely. that a that like a retired soldier will break a vow and go back to the sword but how much further than just the simple mechanical slaughter of battle is he going to have to go to protect his daughter guess you're just gonna have to wait <clears throat> to find out it worries me <laughs> i did um <laughs> yeah i did yeah that's true it's interesting you said he wants to live a quiet life and i then that third volume they literally travel to quietus <laughs> yes place where there's a lighthouse yep. and they're reading books together and oh playing yeah board games. that was so nice yeah but that's a picture of you know what they want and is mm-hmm. probably not attainable <laughs> but we'll see um so yeah what about elements of the story um We'll start with you, Panda. Favorite elements, least favorite element of the storytelling or the anything about this series? I just really like the characters. Honestly, like the plot is um, like it's not the plot is bad or anything. It's just that the characters really are what drew me into the series. And some some characters that we haven't actually talked about, like Hazel as the narrator. I was gonna say um, that's a great choice for this story. yeah i really like that uh the way that the story is being told and she drops like not only foreshadowing um of what is to come but just the like philosophical kind of little nuggets she drops um and I just, yep. it brings more substance to this whole thing it's very uh, child after they've been to therapy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe as part of their therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be it too. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like every line she says that she ends makes me want to cry. I'm like, oh my, what bad thing are you saying? You know, where she's like, not everyone has a happy story. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Who is not going to have a happy story here? Yeah. yeah. But she lays it out like everyone. It's like, it could be anyone. So, but yeah, that, yep. that storytelling aspect is great. I was going to bring that up. I love that she's the narrator. One, it kind of gives you a piece that I, you're like, all right, well, at least she's probably alive yeah. at the end of this, but also the way she's speaking. She's alive for a while, at least. Yes. The old enough to narrate, you know? Yeah. And she is adorable. I mean, I, she, she's she's writing this from a Schrodinger's cat box, Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Anderson, what about you? Any elements that really stuck out or didn't care for it? was so surprising to me you know, these three volumes are fairly short like even all together and we got to spend so much time it felt like with everyone like so many characters got their own like arcs in this part in these these volumes and just i feel like they they used what they had very well yeah um to like fill it with these characters we love so much i agree it's weird that we had such a connection already to the main two prince robot the will um, even like you said the ghost babysitter uh, what's the ship name for the will and the stock come on you can't put us on the spot <laughs> there was like a well prince robot calls the stock <laughs> the stock's um ship <laughs> dragon skull oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like dragon bone is a magical material in this world, so having a fully dragon skull ship is a very durable creation. Mm. All the ships are pretty great. I mean, their ship, that tree that they're just riding, that thing looks awesome. The I mean, rocket <laughs> ship? The, yeah, the rocket the tree. tree is pretty cool. Yeah. And I love that it has a regenerative nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is that your favorite element? <laughs> I I was gonna say (laughs) I do I really did like that I was like if I could like have anything in here that is real that might be it I mean um, no I would I'll say um, I'll say the cliffhanger aspects I think I think he's really good at cliffhangers and he had a quote um, I forget where I read it might have been at the end of it but he says you know because they asked him about his cliffhangers and he said no cliffhanger involving genuine emotion ever feels cheap and i agree with at least agree with that with his work um because you know some cliffhangers could be like or tv shows you watch you're like oh come on really you're just dragging this out to watch but his you know his always have some sort of emotional emotional impact for that uh that volume like i i wrote down some from the first one where the one is his grandparents show up and they transport there uh when isabel shows up in her gang of ghosts she's like when you thought they were going to be deathly killers. And then one of my favorites where uh, Marco seems to be dying and he says his wife's name, uh, Gwendolyn. Right <laughs> and like, be. who the F? Yeah, who the F is Gwendolyn? <laughs> you're like, Gwendolyn, oh my God. I love her. <laughs> yeah, you're like, who is Gwendolyn? But there's other ones, you know, like when uh, um, Lion Cat gets booted out of the uh, spaceship when they're attacked and it's floating in space, you think he's going to die or things like that. There's just, they really plotted out well where you, like we had an attachment to Lion Cat already, so when that happened, you're like, no, nothing can happen. <laughs> so there's different. Um, he, I, I just think the cliffhangers are really, really good in this in this series, and I do not know how anyone would function just reading this volume or uh, issue by issue. I would literally be shaking if I the way. <laughs> like, so um, yeah, I think I think that he's just immensely immensely talented with that. Mm-hmm. So was this actually? I'm sorry, this is kind of a tangent, but actually released serially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. and it's actually still ongoing. So the second half 
mm-hmm. the series is currently published issue by issue. And it's like every okay. month, month and a half or so, a new issue would come out. So there's nine volumes released, right? And now they're in to the 10th one. They're working on the 10th. It'll release in October. Right. Yep. So I, me and Panda, I think we agreed we're going to hold off until that releases, right? We're not going to. Yes. I can't. I can't handle going issue by issue. Not possible. You say that now. Uh, no, don't tempt me. <laughs> Do we get we missing someone? Who else didn't say Kip. their favorite elements? Kip. My favorite element. Or at least favorite. Uh, I liked Headstock. Uh, any Battlestar Galactica fans will know what I'm talking about with head notation, but. I liked the image that the Will had of the stock inside his head on that last planet. Oh. <laughs> the delusion. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, hallucinations. Yeah. Yep. Oh man. I thought that was a fun reveal. Mm-hmm. That was good. Well, I liked the way Gwendolyn like figured out that there, there's something going on. She asks mm-hmm. like the lion cat a question, you know. Yep. And the cat is just lying, and she's like, oh. she spit out her food. <laughs> she's like, we need yeah. to get out of here. Gwendolyn is lovely and capable. Uh, I just, did you guys buy it? It seemed a little quick, but I was like, I'd fall for the will too, I guess. <laughs> like I Gwendolyn and the will, yeah. Because she like she tells Marco, he's I met someone else who I love. I'm like, oh, so there. Yeah, it's good. I guess they've been on this journey. Already. Well, I think it's <laughs> that seemed a little fast, but yeah, <laughs> that that part did seem a bit fast. Um, I do think that Gwendolyn, she, I mean. She got her heart broken. She's on like a revenge, <laughs> at least yes. seemingly, you know, like a revenge mission. Um, and it, on the planet, it was revealed that there was this other woman that like she perhaps had a relationship with or like had feelings for, but she realized like, oh, you can't be like, you can't be here, that this can't be real. Um, oh, right, right, yeah, 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 the hallucination. And then, um, I think her seeing how the will treats Sophie and like what he's willing to do for this little girl that that if I read it in that way then I would buy like how quickly she would have attached herself to the will I mean attachment interest sure but actual love that's got to be referring to someone else Mm. yeah because that scene too I think it was (laughs) Was pretty noticeable when when Gwendolyn and Margo finally confront each other on top of that the lighthouse. It, yeah. se- it seemed to me, I uh, I thought it was kind of clear that like Marco is someone who is over that relationship. Who was just like he feels bad about it, definitely a little guilty, but he's feelings wise he's over it. Was her that looked like someone who kind of just broke and like thought she was over it, but really had still stuff to get off her chest and is not over what he did to her. So I thought it was like two kind of Different. It just seemed like one person who had gotten over something, another who hadn't. And, um, <laughs> that's why I was like, like you said, love. I was like, still seems you're not over this, your your ex uh, husband. But either way, yeah. all for it. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm more than happy for them to be a thing. Kip is theorizing in his head. <laughs> yeah, I'm very interested in her romantic history. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a history. I suspect um, we will get to see all of it <laughs> in graphic I, detail. <laughs> Before we move on, I do want to say, like, one of my favorite elements is Fiona Staples' art. Like, 
so Brian K. Vaughn, he's written other graphic novel series, and one of the most well-known is probably Why the Last Man, which also got turned into a show or something. Um, <laughs> and I tried reading that series, but the art was just not my cup of tea. And so even though the premise was really interesting, I was just like, eh, I'm not as drawn in. But Fiona Staples' art is just... I mean, yes, it's graphic, but, like, I also want, like, prints of some of it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to hang up um, or to glance at every once in a while. Um, so, like, because we talk about the co- connection with these characters, and one of the elements in, at least for me, for how quickly I was able to bond with, like, Hazel is how cute she is. Like, Aww. she's portrayed, you know? and. Um, Isabel is also like re- portrayed really well as this ghost um, character, and then you know there are definitely the shocking moments that uh, we want to talk about, but we can't get into too many <sighs> details here. Isabel's physical appearance is so often tied to and con- contradictory to her spoken words. Yeah, that it only works in graphic format. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. No, and I I love her cover too. I mean, like the third one's one of my favorite, Gwendolyn on the Hill with uh, Sophie, just with kind of the clouds with the sun behind her. Just mm-hmm. it's just so striking. Her I need to, and it just has that feel of kind of epicness and, and like anything is possible in this world, or that it's like infinite. I mean, there's one scene where her art is flying polka dotted sharks and it's <laughs> and Gwendolyn and the will are practicing spearing them with his weapon yeah and it's like this it just looks so cool and it's uh like with this, especially like with the author's kind of wide scope of a world he's building you need some an, uh-huh. uh, an artist like that who can just really literally create uh yeah this, this kind of stuff and she, it's like a perfect pairing speaking of the the cover of that third volume when I look at it, it gives me like Miyazaki vibes. Yes. And yes. I think like quite a bit of her art is just like Miyazaki, but more adult. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think Totoro I don't think Totoro would fit in the saga. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. Now that I have an exactly image in my head. Went. Exactly where my head went to. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> No, I'm so sorry, everyone. Oh, I can't rewatch it now. Anytime I watch that big goofy guy. Oh no. It's gonna be like the new Winnie the Pooh movie. <laughs> that horrible. Okay, moving on, moving on. What's the next thing we're talking about? The shocking uh, stuff, right? I I was actually gonna skip and go to the funny stuff that we thought was funny and save it, but um <laughs> Yeah, what? I mean, it can go hand in hand. I do. I actually do want to talk about the humor because I want to see what you guys thought about it because it isn't for everyone. I will say that um, personally, it is the, for me. <laughs> there were women with legs that went up to their neck, and that's pretty much all they were: heads on legs. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their face. There were. I forget. Uh, who? What were the one bodyguards? Bodyguards or something? Maybe Sextilians bodyguards, but they they didn't have a head. They're on their chest, where their nipples were, were the eyes. The oh. belly button oh, was yeah. the tongue, and they had cups on. 
of some sort with like smiling faces. Yeah, I think that was Sextillion. And then, and then yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> and then the, and then Where their, else? their weapons again. This is a mature. I just <laughs> weapons. We were like what would police would have the battering things, but they were dildos. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. I'm like, how does someone think of this? But also at the same time, I'm like, someone might read well, read this and be like, this is absurd. <laughs> this guy's either trying too hard. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I don't know. And some people might see someone reading this and think this person is depraved. <laughs> I did happen to be reading um, in public. <laughs> this is an all-time. Do not read. I was just theory. absolutely scandalized. <laughs> there was a small child next to me, and I was very like trying to make sure they didn't see what I was reading. I was thinking that. I literally I feel like sometimes I'm quick on my feet. I do not know how I could explain myself in public if someone glanced and saw Marco and his mother with that giant fat <laughs> naked giant <laughs> and you get the full frontal shot. I don't know what I'd say. Like You would just hand them hand it to them and be like, just read it. Okay. What, what, what is the, what is the length of time you would spend looking at that page in public, and what is the length of time you would spend looking at that page at your home? I didn't turn that page for like a minute. I was like, "How? Because that scene is what Kip sent us. He sent us the little snippet of the author saying, oh, I had to tell my artist describe how to write that character.'" And yep. I was like, "I don't know. It was it's disturbing. I, it was really one of the most." Crappily disturbing things, and yet you know, I couldn't stop happening. Well, that's the thing is like it's so unexpected that all I could do was just stare at it. Like I remember the first time reading it, I was like, "Oh my goodness, is this what I'm reading? This is what I'm reading." Okay, well, we're gonna go with it, and I had to stare at it because I had to process what I was seeing, and really like the amount of detail she puts into the panels, there's a lot to be gleaned. Just, you know. Professional. Yeah. Here, Here's exactly. one of the letters about that uh, that I clipped <laughs> in the chat. I'm sure, I'm one of those surely many who picked up the trade of issues one through six and got hooked. I picked up issue seven this week and I have a few words for you. Giant nasty balls. I'm curious, did you, BKV, write in that the monster had these immense gruesome testicles, or did Fiona take it upon herself to make this giant triclops nethers a train wreck? Either way, good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that came from his head. That came from Brian yes. Kevon's head. Uh, here, is, here is an excerpt of what was sent to Fiona. <laughs> Page 16, Splash. I'm so sorry, but it's time for a psychologically scarring flash splash page. Fiona, feel free to take this monster in a completely different direction if you'd like, but my idea was to create the absolute last thing I'd want to encounter while hanging out with my mother. (laughs) So yeah, pull back on so that Marco and his mom are just very tiny figures on the ground in the foreground of the shot. Looming over them is our roughly 70-foot-tall monster, the Naked Giant. The naked giant is pretty much what he sounds like, a creature who's too huge for any clothes to fit on him. This is unfortunate because I'm picturing the naked giant being a very fat humanoid creature, one whose big head seems to have sunk directly into his corpulent body. He has three bloodshot eyes and a giant mouth filled with multiple rows of rotting teeth. His weapon of choice is a club made from a giant leg bone taken off a rotting corpse of another giant he ate a few weeks ago. But like I say, the most horrific attribute of the naked giant is the fact that he is indeed nude. 
Despite his size, the giant's flaccid penis is rather small and is mostly lost in a dense thicket of wiry pubic hair. Sadly, and I promise that I hate to type this, his testicles are not small. Instead, they are like two massive wrecking balls suspended in a wrinkly sorepox scrotum that dangles all the way down to between the towering giant's knees. No wonder he looks so angry. This moment should hopefully feel more viscerally disturbing than outright silly, Fiona. So please, play it relatively straight, if you think that's even possible here. She did it. She nailed nailed the assignment. Also, (laughs) if that doesn't make you want to read Saga, I don't know what will. Can we actually keep this part in? I don't know. (laughs) I think there might be a lot of bleeping required, but no, I I have no idea. (laughs) I think we're going to have to bleep some stuff. Yep. Um, I did like the the typical mom line after that by Marco's mom, where she's like, oh, nothing I haven't seen before. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. So it sounds like we all like the humor in this, so we didn't think it was too much. I mean, it is tough to recommend. It felt like you don't know what someone's sense of humor is, but I wouldn't recommend it to my grandmother. Depends on the grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that that, uh, woman who's going through the Dresden files? Oh, you mean on Discord? No, no, oh. she's doing a YouTube series. <laughs> oh, I don't know who that is. She's she's a kindly old woman uh, who's going through the Dresden files and be like, oh, this is spicy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, isn't there a lot of SEX in the uh, Dresden files? Yep. yep. Well, nothing she hasn't seen before, right? That's what they say. Exactly. All right. Well, I think uh, a good way to end is <laughs> talking about so the question was, what is the most shocking thing for you in the series? I mean, this, I think it's one of the probably more famous aspects of the series, that there's just a lot, a lot of shocking reveals, turns, um, stuff like that. So I'll start with Mr. Mr. Anderson. What was the shot, anything that, or what shocked you the most, I should say, um, from any one of these volumes? I mean, it was fairly mild compared to what would come later, but like the second part of like volume one when we see the prince and his wife um mm. together after he was away for a while i was like oh <laughs> we're uh we're not we're showing everything okay then <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think yeah. i kind of like set the tone after that so i was like okay now i can kind of mm-hmm. i know what might come on the next page but that first one is like ah okay hello <laughs> he's a family man he's yep. a family man he just wants a family come on mm-hmm yeah, it's safe to say. Uh, Kip, what about you? Most shocking thing from this? Most you shocking was the one naked of my wrecks. No. Sorry, are you? This was not a panda wreck. This was a panda <laughs> moved it up the TBR. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I'd been, I'd been meaning to read Saga for several years, so really, you just pushed it over the edge. Good. Like <laughs> finally, seven years later, I'm reading it. You know, this is what Tour Day has to understand. <laughs> um it's i mean it was the naked giant but other shocking moment was of course the banned images on prince robot's face (laughs) when he got shot in the war Mm -hmm. uh what else uh when lion cat got jumped out but i've already talked about that Mm -hmm. panda what about you any big shockers i mean when i read it the first time page one like page one page two (laughs) i was like oh so this is what graphic novels can be like (laughs) (laughs) um but i think it 
it has a really good opening where you are just thrown in into the middle of it. Like you don't know the history of these people. You don't know why they are in the situation they are. And you're just, I mean, honestly, it's it's a bit like Malazan, that first book where you're just like thrown into the middle of a battle. Um, and you are given these pieces and you're pu- putting them together as you read. And that just is not what I was expecting from this kind of series when I was I don't even know how like I even picked it up but it was probably some recommendation by somebody was like this is so good you should read it I was like okay I'll give it a try um so I would say that's probably the most shocking because it was the first shock yeah it really just throws you into just the maturity of the language of the visuals and just what Mm -hmm. the stakes to an extent too um Mm -hmm. yeah I'll say uh kind of things that may be obvious but either the deaths in these three series um which are becoming less shocking just keeps happening to characters um or just like vicious like the will getting stabbed by sophie um in the neck or um oswald getting the the thing through the forehead just after you pretty much thought he'd make it because prince robot got knocked out you know um and then not only him dying but who did it? Gwendolyn, who did it? Like, kind of, because he, he had, like, a toy gun in his hand or a stun gun. And when someone like that does it, it adds a whole new element. It's like, oh, now Marco's mom is going to hate her. Where, and the same thing was when Prince Robot killed, like, when you, I saw the stalk, I totally forgot how she, she died. Mm. And uh, Prince Robot just easily just blasts her <laughs> through. And then now that has, now that leads to a whole new character thing where um, the will definitely is going and it has personal beef with Prince Robot, which, uh, right. uh, you know, yep. you got to assume that'll butt heads at some point. So not only is it shocking when someone dies like that, but the ripples it creates into a new kind of character point for a certain character or arc or something like that, whether it's revenge or anything like that. Um, deep sorrow. Like, you know, Marco's mom just got kind of got over losing her husband. Not over, but was dealing with it with this person who could understand her. And just like that, boom, she's grieving again. Like, you know, it's just going to set her back mentally. So I think those kind of shocks are what, you know, like I said, it's I'm becoming a little numb to it, but not really. Um, you know, the will, I think I was a little numb. I'm like, yeah, of course, of course, he's going to, he's going to, that guy's going to get in a ton of trouble. He got stabbed in the neck. Um, but I just, they do keep, it, it is impressive how he's still able to, to keep doing those, those types of things. Um, and even, even the not death, just, uh, like Marco's dad, it was a death, but just that again, that shock of him saying he is dying. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. He, I, the author's really good at, I guess, you know, uh, what's the daughter's name? Uh, Hope. I, know. <laughs> I was going to use her first name, Hope. Hazel. Uh, Hazel. Yeah, Hazel. And Alana's like, we're not calling her. But she has that that monologue or the narration about killing your darlings and yes. how artists or authors yeah. to do that uh, was really sweet and kind of sad, but it really. It does. I think the the I think Brian K. Vaughn's telling you like when all you only, when you only have darlings left, <laughs> like that's kind of who you got to kill. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that's kind of the obvious answer that's most shocking. But he just does it really well. Where after three volumes, you think you'd be tired of it, but not really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Um, what I would I was gonna say should we ask Mr. Anderson and Kip any general predictions you have going in the next three volumes i mean it's very broad what could happen but if you uh 
feel free to make any any jumps. Well, I feel like I've made a few. Um, but Prince Robot being bi is definitely one that I want to stake right now. <laughs> oh, really? Um, let's see what else. We're going to see Crash Helms again. I think they're going to be used to possibly separate Hazel from her parents. That's a random one, but we'll see. I want to I want to see what form of separation uh does happen between Hazel and, Hazel and her parents. I'm hoping it's a non-lethal one, but you know, not not too I don't have too much hope. <laughs> giving myself a hob level amount of doubt here. <laughs> very good, very good. You've been trained. Yeah. Mr. Anderson I'm a, I'm thinking we're going to be getting more Hazel now. Um, at the end of Volume Three, she's obviously more in like the moving and speaking kind of phase. Um, I'm assuming the Will is coming back. He seemed to be in a pretty bad way at the end, but um, <laughs> I don't think we're quite done with him. Yeah, I don't think we're done with him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm kind of thinking that, like I'm assuming the stakes are going to get start to get raised. Um, maybe slowly. But that particularly these two governments are going to start coming to more of a head over Hazel and what this means. Like, I, don't, I don't think they're going to be forgotten anytime soon, I guess is what I'm saying. That is interesting. We didn't talk too much about it, the two kind of different governments. Uh, cause, I mean, this is kind of essentially a Romeo and Juliet story between the two yep. different kind of the winged and the horned <laughs> governments. Uh, that's been really interesting. And, you know, even like, the book, the romance book. I feel like that's almost a character. That romance book that Alana <laughs> read while they were, you know, prisoner and guard. Uh, the subversive romance book. Yeah, it's just interesting. You know, it's not. It's interesting that he chose a romance book and not. It's not like a religious text or anything, but something like a romance book really is a vocal point between these two governments. They're hunting that you know, find something important between these two characters that bonded over a, a romance book. I don't know. He was trying to something there with that, but um, censorship of romance books has never been particularly strong. Those are good predictions. Anything you guys want to talk about before we go? I did want to bring out. I forgot to say something that didn't totally work for me. I did not hate it. Um, we didn't talk about them too much, but I think I did always feel like I wanted to get to something else. So the two journalists, uh, mm-hmm. um, I thought they were fine. I'm curious. I told. I. Honest to God, I forget. I'm pretty sure I know where the story goes, kind of end or ends up, but I don't remember much after this. But so I'm a little excited to go forward. But I did think it was a little choppy, just those kind of interviewing people throughout the story, because you kind of got that with Prince Robot, where he's also questioning people and stuff. I think that was perhaps mainly a choice to be able to give more backstory about the main characters. Um, I, I agree. Like they're not my favorite, uh, but they don't like, I don't hate them either. I thought they gave some interesting looks into a different part of society, I guess. Yeah. Because Prince Robot's rarely in like the halls of power. Right. He's, he's out, he's out on assignment too often. Yeah. Uh, and, and those guys gave a nice look at what the official line of the political party in power is. Yeah. They gave us a view that's different than, you know, the, the what's it called? Like, 
the people who are under threat or being or being the pursuers they gave us a view of like every quote quote unquote like everyday life yeah um and then with the was it the um the wife the princess then you get to see like the everyday life of somebody in royalty like in yeah. the halls of power mm-hmm. and the uh w- what's his name the the dude Gale? of wings who's the uh is is that his name i think his name's Gale. The intelligence Whatever. guy, yeah, the yeah. intelligence guy. I liked, um, I liked how where they ended up in this too, where it's like they didn't just kill them off, like the assassin union, which is a very fun yeah. subject. <laughs> union of assassins, magical binding contracts, fun. Yes, if they talk about the story at all, they're all gonna like die or something, explode or something, mm-hmm. which is an interesting yep. kind of. It just brings up another interesting twist where they're talking because they're also a couple of the two, the two reporters. Yeah, like kind of. They're like saying no stories worth dying for. It brings up like journalistic integrity and things like that too, which is a really interesting avenue. Okay. Anyway, all right. Any last words? I'll let you guys. Anything last things you wanted to say about volumes one through three? Panda, Kip, Mr. Anderson. I think we covered I'm it. Excited to see where we go next. Yeah, very excited. Now I can read more. Yay! Honestly, <laughs> like I am really excited because I want to see their reactions as they go through the rest of the series. So that's really fun for me. <laughs> Definitely Prince Robot. I, I'm excited. Oh, very, very excited for Prince Robot. <laughs> <laughs> very excited. <laughs> Have been since his first appearance on screen. I was like, ooh, what is this fully cooly nonsense? <laughs> cool. Take us out. That'll do it for the Sega group. Uh, thank you to Craig, our overlord, for letting us... Uh, talk about these fun things thank you for uh to horizon brave for letting us starting this whole shebang and uh go to our discord hang out with us the or go to the legendariums discord and hang out with us if you want to tell talk more saga for befuddled panda captain mr anderson i'm yeti beats and we'll see you next time bye bye, bye.